Once upon a time, there were tens of thousands of makers struggling. Every day they built for hours and hours, but didn't ship and didn't earn enough income. One day, the No Code Wealth podcast came to help them find a way. Because of this, makers became founders and lived the lives they deserve. Because of this, founders live lives of abundance, freedom, and creativity. That's what I'm really all about. Hello, my name is Aziz, and from being a poor boy born to a single mother in North Africa, to failing multiple startups yet learning a whole lot, to barely escaping alive the war in Ukraine, even living as an illegal immigrant, I've lost everything twice. And now I'm rebuilding my life one more time, 1% a day, sharing the wisdom of luminaries I've interviewed on this podcast from Google executives to Amazon, Microsoft, Forbes Technology Council, Harvard, Financial Times, and even a priest from the Vatican Church, everyone is welcome here. So let's begin. My guest today is Mark Piller. Mark is the CEO of Backendless, changing this world to be serverless and codeless. Backendless is the full-stack visual app development platform a complete visual app builder that makes app intuitive to develop and easy to manage, no code required. Mark, how are you today? Hi, Aziz. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on this podcast. It's my honor. It's my privilege. And I hope and I know it will be very insightful to spend this time together. So I'm wondering... These days or in this period of your life, what seems to be a topic or an idea or a goal or an insight that you had that demands your intention and thought that you keep on thinking about again and again and again? Great question. Professionally, it has been uh, finding ways to make software development more accessible and affordable, which is you know, it sounds like a fairly grand thing, but it really transcends to uh, some some elementary things that can be done in the technology space to to make it happen and make it a reality for a lot of people. Why is that important for you, and what difference would that make? Um, it is important for me because, in my vision, I see that. Uh, the whole space of building applications. And uh, let me just, you know, kind of step back a little bit. It's not so much building applications. It's more of a uh, converting ideas into something that becomes real because that's what every application really is about. It it was an idea at some point and uh, by applying technology, uh, that idea becomes real and a lot of people can start using it. So, in, in my mind, historically, application development has always been rather complex. And with the whole evolution of the internet, accessibility of the internet, uh, everyone who has a mobile phone, which is pretty much everyone now, or you know, a smartphone, has access to the internet. And they have access to running applications. Therefore, 
the the audience is huge. And uh, as time goes on, there is really no lack of ideas that people come up with to make the lives of their potential users or just you know people on the internet easier and be able to uh, provide new ways for people to connect. And it is important for me because I have gone through really a full circle where I, back in the days when I started programming and when I started my entrepreneur uh, c- c- entrepreneurship career, I would say, uh, I, I always was striving for simplifying uh, the whole process of building applications. And now we are in the forefront of making it happen. Therefore, I kind of, you know, carry that responsibility of, you know, having this forefront of coming up with ideas that will make it even more accessible and affordable for a wider uh, range of people. I really adore this thought and this idea, but I will play the devil's advocate a little bit just to make things even more interesting. Some people will say that such progress is destroying the their jobs and is taking away um, the possibility for them to find work to do and that it's not good for humanity and that there are seven or eight billion people on this planet and you can't expect all of them to be creators and entrepreneurs. Of course, I assume you have a different perspective on this. What are your thoughts and what is your answer? I believe that the whole evolution of humanity and more specifically evolution of technology is such that some jobs will clearly will become obsolete. If we if we look back at, you know, just the whole spectrum of, you know, various industries and how things were done a hundred years ago, with all the technological advancements that took place, it's rather clear that a lot of jobs were eliminated. And and that will continue to happen, like with the whole uh, advance, the set, set of advance, advancements that we are seeing in, you know, autonomous and self-driving cars. It's pretty obvious to me that, you know, the whole spectrum of jobs such as taxi drivers or truck drivers will eventually disappear because cars will be able to drive by themselves. Uh, it is going to be fortunate for a lot of people and unfortunate for some. But overall, humanity will become a better place because there will be fewer accidents. The whole system of, uh, you know, highways being packed with cars will be self-managed or managed by AI. And as a result, a lot more people would benefit from it. Something similar is happening in the information technology space. So for, for developers who are doing the things that other people who are not developers can start doing on their own. They really need to embrace this change and kind of, you know, think ahead as far as, you know, what would be the next big thing or the next step in the evolution where they can excel and apply themselves. So if someone is, let's just take a more specific example. Let's say someone is uh, making their living by creating websites and, uh, you know, some websites could be very complex, but the you know majority of the websites, if it is a marketing website for a company, they are fairly straightforward. And there are fantastic technologies today where you can find a template 
and create a website really just with a couple of clicks using uh, you know templates from Webflow or Wix. And one does not need to be a developer to get to the point where they have a fully functional website with a shopping cart and the chat system and being able to process orders and so on. And by having this technology just simply available, a, a, a lot more people were able to benefit from this. But those who sort of got stuck in creating those types of websites, they really need to think ahead and, and, and think how they can apply themselves to provide more value simply because existing technologies where you can just, you know, create something out of the box using a template really going to be replacing the day-to-day job that they're doing. So it is going to, it is going to be a balance, but embracing the change and thinking, thinking ahead is more important than ever for people who are in the IT space. Thank you. I love your well-reasoned answer. And to progress on this further, because you know, as Tony Robbins say, that change is automatic, but progress is not. And often it's the pressures of progress are what encourages people to evolve, to grow, and not to stay within their comfort zone. So how does backendless support and contribute to your goal, to this vision that you have for the future? Great question. So I'll start by saying that when I started the company, the vision was to provide a complete end-to-end platform for developing mobile and web applications. And by complete and end-to-end, what I mean is that one would be able to create an application that has both user interface, the front end, and and the back end. So because pretty much every single application that, that, that is out there, or I would say 99.9% of the apps, they do consist of those two parts, the front end and the back end. And uh, this is just how it works. You know, front end is what you see on the screen of your device or in a browser, and the back end is where, you know, the data is stored. It is just some server. It could be your server. It could be the cloud server. It's still someone else's server. <laughs> so the, the whole process of building an application with that model where the front end communicates with the back end it is filled with all kinds of complexities uh, and those complexities really you know creep up and pretty much everywhere starting from you know how do you create your database schema meaning you know what is the structure of the data when it's stored in a database how does the browser page or a screen on the mobile device communicate with the server to save that data in the database or run a query to retrieve that data from the database? How do you go about registering a user? How do you go about sending out an email or a push notification? How do you upload a file or you know share that file with someone else? And those are very primitive tasks that still require quite a bit of thought because on top of this, you have to apply security and make sure that it's only the you know the authenticated user who can perform those functions, and then if someone is not authenticated, there needs to be an error coming from the server. So there are a lot of different tasks that come in. Uh, traditionally, all those tasks had to be done by professional developers that really you know excel at what they do by making all of this happen. And the task that we have uh, put in front of us with Backendless is to simplify the whole process where all the same tasks would exist, but many of them would be solved by the platform itself out of the box. So for instance, 
if it is the process of registering a user, then the majority of the small checks that would need to have that would need to happen would be done by the system. And you know, just if we still stick to this kind of use case of registering a user, what what are the individual things that one would have to program if if it were not for backendless? Well, you have to check if the if it is a valid uh, email address or if the password you know, has this certain criteria, like, you know, minimum eight number of eight characters, or, you know, it has some kind of special character. You need to check if that user already exists. And if that user already exists, you need to check if that user perhaps is already, you know, disabled because they have, pro- they have demonstrated some malicious behavior. Or if that user doesn't exist, yes, you need to, you know, make a record for that user and send out an email for confirming their email address. Or if you need to verify it with a phone number, send out a text message. And so all those things, there are additional complexities that happen uh, just with one task of registering a user. And that's a lot if you were to do it by yourself. But if you think about all those checks that need to happen, they could actually be provided by the system where you, as a developer who works with Backendless, could actually guide the system and say, well, this is important for me. You know, sending out an email is important for me. Send it out whenever they register. It is not important for me, so I will just, you know, click a toggle and say, don't send out an email. Uh, or if they are coming, let's say, from certain geographic region, you want, you want to handle it differently. So our goal is to still provide all the same things that would traditionally be happen uh, and be implemented by a developer, but they are provided by the system and we provide a way for you to guide the system how it should react and what it should do. And as a result, the whole process of controlling what the application should do is controlled through a visual interface where one does not need to know how to do all that programming, how to write all that code. And you can still achieve something that, you know, some of the more uh, complex and, and, uh, advanced applications have, but you can accomplish it simply just by using a graphical interface in Backendless. And then back when we started, there was no concept of no code or low code. Yet, you know, we kind of had this vision of just visual programming where you just guide the system through the visual interface how to do this. And then the whole concept of no code came around and uh, it fit rather nicely with what with the vision that we had and what we were doing. So with us, to answer your question, it is the process of just really, as I, going back to what I said earlier, is simplifying the overall process of building applications where the majority of the tasks that one would have to do would already be done and offered by the system out of the box. Thank you. I really, really love the full explanation and I'm sure you spent time thinking about because there's something called the curse of knowledge on how to communicate clearly and simply. And since you mentioned when you began the work on Backendless, there was no concept of no code. Currently, no code is made more or targeted or at least promoted to non-technical people so that they will be able to test their ideas, to create an MVP, to go to market faster and get the feedback that allows them to evolve. It's more about business, solving problems for customers, going micro-niched and all that. While one of the taglines for Backendless is by developers for, for developers. 
So, one, how did the idea for Backendless begin? Did you begin it and targeted mostly ad developers? And are you interested in or do you have a segment in your in the market or anybody who is totally um, non-tech expert yet they're using Backendless to, gre- to create their MVPs and do work they wouldn't be able to do otherwise? What are your thoughts about this? Is this by developers for developers only? Is it more for saving time and uh, no repetitive tasks? Or is there also a big or growing segment of non-technical users who are using it for their own uh, more modern thinking about no-code, which is to create their MVP, to create their side business where they help the world and all that? So when we started Backendless, which was uh, about nine, ten years ago, uh, the the vision, of course, was uh, a complete system that you could develop the entire application within the platform itself. And the the platform is accessible through the browsers. You basically build applications within the browser. Uh, Knowing that any application would have the front end and the back end, there was not so much a dilemma, but the question, you know, where do we start? because you got to start somewhere. And uh, one of the uh, underlining, not so much themes, but principles for the platform was providing scalability uh, out of the box as a service. And what scalability is, just for those who kind of heard the term but do not quite understand it, it really manifests in two uh, different factors. One of them is the volume of requests that your application is generating and the server needs to handle. And those are directly proportional to the number of users that your application has. The more users you have, the more people who downloaded your app or more people who log in to use your app. Uh, Anytime they're using the app and they're going through the individual workflows that are provided by your application, requests are generated and sent to the server. And those requests could be pretty much anything you know, saving a file, logging in, requesting data from the database, saving data in the database, and so on. So clearly, the more users you have, the more APIs or requests will be generated. Hence, if your application is becoming popular and more and more people are jumping on it and downloading and, and using it, the more requests are going to be generated. And when that, when that happens, the servers need to be ready for this. And when the serv- when they say servers need to be ready for it, for this, it's not necessarily a function of just throwing more servers like physical machines, because uh, a lot of people try to solve this problem by saying, "Oh, we're going to run an AWS, AWS or Amazon has an infinite number of resources, so we can just solve this problem just by adding more computers," which is not necessarily the case in most of the cases, because uh, if your system is not designed to handle that volume, then adding more machines will not necessarily solve the problem. So, and that's one thing, you know, volume of requests. And another factor is just the volume of data. You may not have, you may not have that many users, but you could be accumulating just a huge number of records or data in your database or files. And as the number of, as the size of your database grows, even with a finite number of users, requests may start getting slower and slower just because anytime you retrieve data from the database, you have to go through millions of records. And that's also a problem with scalability. So when when you had 
just a few or you know low number of records in the database, things are fast and it's just flying and everybody's happy. As the database is growing, things are slowing down and then everybody's unhappy because they have to wait some time for the data to show up in the screen. And, and the scalability really lies in, in the backend. And it's a really hard problem to solve. And I'm speaking from the experience here. Uh, traditionally, companies would, 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 would hire some very expensive engineers and architects and you know, buy some very expensive hardware in order to solve problems with scalability. And with us, with, a, with an idea and the goal to lower the bar for anyone to be able to build an application and benefit from this infinite scalability where you know the application would run smoothly whether you have one user or a million of users we decided that we would start with the back end first and for some time our company was strictly in the back end space uh, in fact the category in just the whole you know realm of applications was back end as a service that's kind of where we were in and by providing back end uh, our core audience were developers developers who were writing code for Android, for iOS, for JavaScript, Flutter, uh, .NET, you name it. Uh, they were building apps with code and using backendless strictly as the backend. And that helped us tremendously to get to the point where we uh, managed to just polish our system, figure out all the spots where we you know, were lacking that scalability or we needed to improve it. And at some point, we got uh, we got uh, to the point where we felt quite comfortable with how the system would scale. Uh, by that time, we had you know thousands of developers building with backendless. We had number of installations of backendless uh, where the traffic was just huge, and those are still running. And uh, including systems where you know the entire bank or mobile banking would be using backendless for for, for the complete. Uh, spread of all the, uh, the features that the mobile banking application provides, dealing with you know millions of records in the database, and and at at that time when we uh, got the confirmation that yes, backendless can tr can scale uh, as as good as we envisioned, then it was a good time to expand and start uh, adding the UI development capability. And uh, we expanded our team. We started working on on the UI development technology that we call UI Builder. And uh, sometime later, we added that UI Builder into the backendless platform. And at that point, we became this complete end-to-end -end visual application development platform. And uh, at that time, we already had the user base and the customer base that were just developers. Uh, and that's still growing. The developers love us. But at that, but 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 also we have expanded and uh, made backendless accessible and uh, available to really anyone who would want to build an application starting with the UI. Uh, and since the approach that we have for developing UIs is uh, is done in a way where one does not need to know a programming language, that really lowered the bar to pretty much anyone who would want to create an app without knowing a programming language. However, and, and, and I believe that is true for the entire no-code space, uh, developing applications, even if you don't know a programming language, does not necessarily equate 
to knowing how to click certain, you know, how to fill out certain forms uh, in whatever the platform that you're using and, uh, you know, express conditions and uh, provide and apply some logic. There is more knowledge that I believe would be required for anyone who decides to start building an application. For instance, uh, the whole concept of data modeling, I believe is, an, is extremely important as a precursor for building uh, an application that would have a higher chance of surviving in, in the modern space because the competition is everywhere. So being able to design your data model that truly reflects uh, what's going on in the real world and how uh, entities relate to each other is, is a skill. It's not something that anyone can just sit down and do it. For some people, it is natural. For some people, it comes with experience. But for a good number of people, it is just not something that comes in naturally. Um, therefore, saying that no code is truly and absolutely for anyone. Yeah, and if you are a plumber today and you decide to build a plumbing app without knowing anything about data structures, about you know structuring your requests, about how you know to create your API services as simple as it is in backendless, you will be struggling. Therefore, in where we are today, saying that the bar is so low where you can just literally take anyone and they will be able to build an app, that is not true. Knowledge, gaining some knowledge uh, as a prerequisite would be required. You know, you have to go through onboarding, you have to go some training, you have to go through some, you know, just information, educational information that is published in order to start becoming more efficient with the platform. And that is true, not just with backendless. You can take any no-code or low, -code, especially low-code platform because some code is involved, but you can take any no-code platform and I guarantee you that it would be, re you, you, one would have to go through some basic training in order to get things done. And that training is not just with a platform. It's, it's more of a computer science training. Uh, for example, as I mentioned, you know, data modeling, how do you structure your database schema? How do you express relationships? How do you model just basic interactions between the system and the user? Those are the concepts that traditionally are taught in school, but these days you, one would be able to master it, not necessarily ma master it, but you know, start getting that knowledge just from courses published on Udemy and in some cases YouTube and so on. So to answer your question, if Backendless is uh, for developers, by developers, that is true, but the whole concept of developer these days has, uh, has gotten to be a lot wider and bigger than it was before. So definitely a developer today is not just a person who has uh, gone through, you know, and got their computer science degree. It could be someone that, you know, had nothing to do with computer science at school, but went through some training and understands some of the basic uh, concepts that would exist in the whole uh, computer science uh, spectrum of, uh, of information technology. Thank you. That's a very nuanced answer and it's very satisfying. So I have to get your take on maybe some will say it's a, a paradigm 
Others will say it's a myth, but there is a notion within the no-code community that if you want to create a robust and really, really up-to-par software, you need to go full code, that you begin with no code for your MVP. If you need to scale, and you spoke about the problems of scalability, then you begin using low-code tools. And then when you're really serious and growing, you ditch everything and you use 100% code because low-code and no-code tools apparently or in any other way will never be up to par compared to a coder or a programmer coding. What is your take on this? I I would disagree with that statement. Uh, But I would be uh, speaking strictly through the prism of backendless like building an mvp in backendless and building a complete application in backendless and yes within backendless itself you can uh, apply uh, either one of these approaches you can uh, build your ui application with code or without code so from the scalability perspective uh I'd say 99% of the of the scalability issues that would need to be solved are going to be in the back end. And uh, with backendless, most of those issues are solved by the platform. Just the platform scales really, really well. For, for someone who doesn't really know what they're doing, let's say if they came up with a database schema that has, you know, just one database table that, that has like, you know, 300 columns. And for those who don't understand what I'm talking about, just picture a Google Sheet or an Excel spreadsheet that has everything about your application in a single sheet, and you have 300 different columns that represent different types of just data that your application works with. How manageable it is, it's absolutely not manageable. How scalable will it be? Uh, it will not, because you will end up with you know huge data set of you know millions of records and running any kind of queries through that type of data structure, it will not perform very well. And that's a good example of when not understanding the uh, the effects of this kind of decision is uh, will be rather crucial for your application. But I'm kind of uh, digressing. So as far as building a complete application without code, with the approach that we're taking, and our approach, uh, we call it codeless, which is a visual programming paradigm where there is no programming language. There are visual blocks that represent various actions, that represent variables, loops, assignments, conditions. Uh, You can express any logic you can dream of through Codeless. What, What happens underneath is for any kind of logic that you compose with Codeless, some code is generated. The code is, that is generated by using Codeless would be probably the best version of one can come up with, uh, just because the whole system is done in a way where we apply the best practices, we apply the best approaches for creating that code. Uh, of course, the code will reflect the logic that you put in there. So if your logic is in a way where you have a bunch of if-then if, uh, statements, and uh, that's how you basically check, check your conditions. The resulting code will be, of course, you know, just a bunch of if-then statements in code, which I'm not a big fan of, but that's, that's, 
separate subject, you know, like I come from the school of thought where, you know, every if in the code, uh, it's, it's generally not a good sign. There's got to be a way to do it, you know, through object-oriented programming to avoid ifs. It's just, you know, the background that I had in uh, before, <laughs> long before I started working on backhandless. But anyway, so the, the quality of code that would be created for you by backhandless will be rather high out of the box, especially when you start using visual blocks that integrate front end with the back end. And there's a bunch of them for every single thing that backhandless can do. There's going to be a visual block. So there will be a block for logging in a user, registering a user, saving data in the database, re retrieving data, creating relations, uploading a file, uh, sending a push notification, you name it. So the, the quality of the code from the integration perspective is going to be very high. And not only, not only that, there will be some additional error checking and uh, reporting errors. All of that is built in. Uh, as we see people building applications and uh, they're being published to app stores, we see a number of apps in production built without a single line of code, 100% visual entirely with codeless, both UI and, of course, the backend. And those applications are doing quite well. We see that, they're, that the traction that they're getting is significant. In fact, a, a, a one application that is about to get launched, it's a sort of a... Uh, an app, it's not so much a dating app, it's kind of a social connection app. And that one is, uh, is, is a very complex application where one uh, can uh, find people uh, to spend time with, socialize, whatever, based on an activity. So for instance, you, uh, you're, you, you like to play uh, ping pong, but you don't have anyone to play with. So you publish an activity and say, hey, I would like to play ping pong. Anyone who's interested, I'm going to be, you know, it's going to be next Saturday at uh, Dallas Ping Pong Club. Club, And people start applying and, and that's how connections are formed. But it, it can be anything, you know, going to a concert or just meeting someone for coffee or whatever. So you can find, you know, could be used for dating, for instance. So very complex application that will be launching from what I know in about a month in the app stores. A ton of screens, a ton of different workflows. You can search those activities. You can search profiles. And all of it is done without a single line of code. It is absolutely incredible what, what those guys did. Uh, but that's just not, not, not the only example. There are others. You know, We see applications in the logistics uh, industry where uh, shipments are being tracked, uh, global shipments. And uh, that app is also written in UI Builder without any, any, co any coding, all visual. And it is being used in production. So... The, the whole notion that you start MVP and you do it without code, but then in order for you to kind of get to the next level and launch in production, it has to be done with code, I believe is wrong so long that you use the right tools. There are tools out there that make it very easy to build an MVP. In fact, they pride themselves with providing a way to build MVPs quickly, but they're just known that they're not very good at scaling. So you apply some kind of pressure in this, you know, put more users to it, your database grows, and the application is uh, is not performing so well. Not with backendless, you know, we provide basically a guarantee that your app will work just as good whether you have one user or a million of users. I like this very much, and I understand and see the uniqueness of backendless. So to finish... If people want to learn more about Backendless, 
what's the best source or place for them to go, as well as what do you have in store for the future when it comes to backendless? What kinds of uh, customer feedback? And yes, you've been doing it for nine or 10 years, so you already evolved and iterated a lot. What's currently in the road, on the roadmap and the works? Let us know. And how can people go to begin using backendless and benefit? Getting started with backendless is actually very easy. So there is a system that is built into the platform itself to help people uh, becoming more familiar with the platform. It is a gamified process that we called that we call missions. The way it works is you register. It is develop.backendless.com. You register. Uh, you get a 30-day free trial. Uh, it's not limited. The, the free element is not limited to 30 days. I'll describe in more detail now. But during these 30 days, uh, you go into the section called missions. And the way it works is uh, if for anyone who ever played Civilization, which is kind of a, an old game that I used to play when I was a kid, and with civilization, you go through and you start start like with prehistoric times and you go through various tasks and you discover iron and you discover uh, just various things that, you know, hum- humanity discovered and you're going to start progressing and building out your empire. Uh, so with missions, you, you basically have a similar map as it, <laughs> as it exists in the civilization game where you are given a task, and there is a video and instructions that demonstrate how to use this task. And those tasks are core to uh, developing with Backendless. And the tasks could be creating a database table, uh, declaring a column, registering a user, importing users, uh, making an API call, uploading a file, creating a directory. So just some elementary steps. And by going through those tasks, you complete missions. As you complete missions, you uh, get awarded badges and you get some experience points and you get some some of our internal currency that is called backendless bucks. And one of the milestones in missions is uh, is, uh, is called uh, unlock uh, free plan. So we do have a plan that is free. There is no ongoing subscription charges. It is completely free. It's great for development. It cannot really be used for production, but it's great for development. So once you un- unlock that springboard plan, then when, when your trial is over, you just switch to the free, free, that free plan. You can t- continue your development. But with missions, it will give you a very good idea about various parts of the platform where you, start, where you will have hands-on experience how to use it. So that will be like the foundational knowledge that one would need. Once you go through that, and by the way, as far as the whole missions, we have seen people going through like the entire mission system, and it consists of about, I'd say maybe 80 different tasks organized into a specific mission. Uh, We have seen people going through that in just maybe two days. And by the way, when you get to the very end of it, uh, you actually uh, awarded a a free t-shirt. So you contact us and we'll send out a a branded t-shirt uh, with your name on it, if you'd like. Uh, it will be mailed to you at no charge. Anyway, once you go through all that, if you would like to explore Backendless further and start learning more and more and more, uh, when you go to our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com backendless, uh, 
and go to the playlists, you will see various courses that we published. And there is a course on just codeless programming. There is a course on user management. There is a course on UI builder. And then all the videos and each individual course are done in a way where, you know, the more you, the further you go, the more you learn, and they're like the the, the, con the the concepts and the subsequent lesson are based on everything that you have learned so far. So it is kind of in a progressive way, and that would be the probably the best way to uh, start continue learning your system. On top of this, whenever you create a new application in Backendless, you can start uh, either with just completely clean slate, like empty database, no files, no UIs, nothing. So you just like just blank canvas. Or you can start with an application that is ready to go from our marketplace. All of them are free. And those applications are complete apps that are built with backendless in our UI builder that uh, accomplish something useful. So there is an app for like a listing directory where, you know, you could just, you know, sell stuff in, in, in different categories and list them and provide searches on based on geography. There is an app for a small business with a booking, let's say for, you know, just whoever, you know, like doctor appointments or plumbers or any, any type of business where there is a concept of booking through a calendar. And that one implements the whole system of handling those bookings, both from the admin point of view and from the end customer point of view. So there is a, a number of those apps. And when you create an app using one of those templates, you basically get an exact replica of that app now in your account, so you can go and see how the database is structured. There will be some sample data. You can see how the UIs are structured, how they're styled, uh, uh, applying CSS or, and, and so on. So those are uh, ways that I envision, uh, and then that's how actually how people and users go about learning the system is just starting with one of those as a, as a second step. First, I would recommend still missions on YouTube, but then subsequently you create an app from a a blueprint and uh, analyze it and run it and uh, just see how things work. Thank you, Mark. This was enlightening, enriching, and such a valuable time. And I'll make sure to write the link to the website for backendless in the description. Thank you for what you're doing. I encourage you to keep going and I wish you a productive, peaceful, and valuable day. Thank you. Aziz, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for hosting me on your podcast. Uh, I hope the information that I have shared will be uh, helpful for, uh, for your audience. And uh, I'll, be, I'll be more than happy to come back whenever, whenever it's going to be the right time uh, just to sh share more knowledge that I, that I, that I might, might, might have. Thank you again. You're welcome.